Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Well, thank you, Marie, for that wonderful introduction, and uh, welcome back, everybody, to this week's podcast, the Living Your Dash podcast. And uh, so, Rick, we're, we're doing something a little different today, aren't we? We are. We are. We have a special guest with us, Barry Anderson, who really helped coordinate uh, with our co-sponsor with Celebrate Recovery, The Weekend with Hosanna Walk. Mm. Well, Barry, thanks so much for being here with us again. Well, as always, it's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so audience, what you can't see is that Rick's got his own microphone because, you know, he's the man. And so Barry and I, we're, we're sharing this tiny little microphone about the size of your pinky. So, but, so if we sound a little distant, it's not because it's that way emotionally. It's just, that's just the way it is. Anyway, so let's get on into it. We, we had a really exciting weekend this past weekend, uh, Rick. So you... Did something pretty amazing. You stepped aside for one of the Sundays uh, for a special guest. And who was this special guest? Well, Hosanna Wong is just a wonderful, very creative uh, speaker, writer, poet. Yeah. And very creative. I grew up on the streets of San Francisco. And that's where she learned what's called spoken word. Yeah. And it's a, it's a type of street poetry that is very real and just grows out of very real life experiences. And so we invited her to be a part of a weekend here at Grace. We had her Saturday night with a just a joint Celebrate Recovery. We had Celebrate Recovery groups from all around New Mexico and beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A wonderful group of people. And then we asked her, she graciously agreed to stay over Sunday morning and share with our Sunday morning congregation a, a little bit more of her spoken word, a creative way of communicating the, the grace and gospel of God. I appreciate you letting her do that, because I, and I think it's very interesting, because her, uh, she talked about this too, and, and by the way, you can see her message, um, her, 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 the way she does things, her slam poetry, whatever you want to call it, her spoken word, you can see that, and we'll put the link in there, uh, in the description below, but um, you know, I grew up uh, in a well. My parents started going to a congregational church. Lots of high church stuff. I mean, we're talking pipe organ, uh, hymn books, uh, pews that creaked because of the old oak that they used, um, and uh, and very high church stuff made with with Bach and Beethoven and stuff like that. Barry, I mean, that, you had the same church experience, right? I did. I grew up in a, in a little <laughs> small, tiny. United Methodist Church here in town till I was uh, upper childhood and then kind of drifted away. But then went to First Baptist Church oh, right. um, here in Roswell, and that's where I found Christ. But we, we still had a pipe organ in the building, Oh, although it was dismantled uh, later on and, and sold off. But huh. we actually had an old pipe organ there in First Baptist building. I didn't know that. Okay. Absolutely. Wow. It was beautiful. Well, I, I grew up listening to it. That kind of makes sense. So that's the technology time. But I guess I mentioned that just because it's just... Her way of doing church is very different. In fact, that that became a particular point of conflict for her later on. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious about your own opinions. You know, who is Hosanna Wong? I mean, is she a writer? Is she a Christian thinker? Is she a church revivalist? Uh, is she a person in recovery? You know, who, who is he? Who do, who do you think she is? Well, uh, she just has a passion 
for connecting with her generation mm. and connecting her generation with Jesus and helping them understand that Jesus has a message of hope for them. And, you know, and just visiting with her and even part of her presentation that people will hear when they listen in is that she said, you know, I, I don't have a lot of other gifts. All I can do is I can do this spoken word type of poetry that I learned on the streets of San Francisco. Wow. And it's just that wonderful thing of God, this is the only thing I can do. Could you possibly use it? Yeah. And I love it when people say, I don't have much, God, but what I have is yours. Can you use it? And has God ever been using that that gift of spoken word poetry? Yeah, yeah. Barry, yourself? Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm first drawn to the, the old yeah, sort of fic- fiction story of the little drummer boy, you know, of him coming before <laughs> Jesus, okay. just saying, here's what I have to offer. I mean, and that's what she did. She said, here's what I have to offer you. Yeah. And I know it's it's not apples to apples, but I, I see, I agree with Rick. You know, she has, she discovered her talents, she discovered her purpose, and she uh, just committed them to serving God. And that's what we ask people to do here at Grace. Yeah. Isn't the little drummer boy, isn't that found in the book of Luke, Rick? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. Yeah. I, I just find it interesting that, that she speaks to, in a lot of churches, and she, she felt, even in her own story, she said, God told me after, I don't know where she went to college, but she, she, she felt like God was telling her, I want you to get in your car, start, start driving, and start speaking to people. And uh, I find it interesting that she, her story, it, it's, of course, in the message, but she talks about her how she grew up a PK, uh, a preacher's kid, uh, although not like not like your kids grew up, Barry, or your kids grew up, Rick, or my kids. But uh, um, t- somebody tell us about, real quick, what, what is her, her dad's background? Who wants to take that one? Go ahead, Rick. Just start off and I'll fill in. Well, interesting. Her, her dad was um, really on the streets of San Francisco, was a heroin addict. Wow. And came to Jesus started a church on the streets of San Francisco. And so literally the church that Hosanna Wong grew up in was in a park, not in a church building. And so they were in a park reaching homeless people, drug addicts. And I think it's because of that background that she immediately has a connection with people in recovery. Yeah. And, And I'm not just talking about people in alcoholic, recovery, drug addiction recovery. I'm talking about sin recovery. Mm-hmm. She just connects because she's so real, so genuine, so authentic that people immediately go, I can relate to this person. And even though I may not have the exact past and the the, the uh, exact maybe addictions and recovery issues, uh, this this lady is the real deal. And I think that's that's what makes her so genuine and so authentic. You know, Rick, I, before you chime in, one of the things that, that you you pick up on character pretty pretty quickly with people. And when you tell me that you know she really is the real deal, she's just a humble servant of God. I mean that that's what came across to you, and uh, you that that told me, wow, she's winning Rick over, she's winning me over. So, Rick, or Barry, what else would you add? No, I, I would just add, and I, I mentioned this Sunday morning from the pulpit that, you know, not knowing her very long, but she still came across as being just so humble and so gracious, and mm. watching her interact with the people, 
just very compassionate. Right. Only in the, you know, even after the, the program when she was signing books, she was ministering to people. And, and, of course, she only had a minute or two, but you could just see the compassion. I know she gets tired of doing that because um, I think I would get tired of doing that, yeah. you know, after after 45, 50 minutes of just signing books and talking to people. But you could just see the compassion in her, and, and that's what I think helped with her relatability. Yeah. You know, when he, just a great person, and, and I can do nothing but echo what Rick said. She is the real deal. She is walking the, the walk and talking the talk. Wow. Or I got that backwards, but she's doing them both in <laughs> way, so... Well, and you know, we, we being in the Christian world for a long time, uh, we hate to admit it, but there's some prima donnas out there uh-huh. who are singers and speakers, and when they come and uh, you're hosting them, you can pick up real quick. Oh, this is a prima donna. You know, they think there's something special on a stick and deserve <laughs> special treatment and the red carpet, and she was just the opposite. And uh, that's why we immediately just fell in love with her. Yeah. She's the real deal. You know, it impressed me, Barry, and you talked about it, because Saturday night there literally was a line that went snaked all the way around the lobby uh, where she was signing books and talking with people. And uh, it went through the lobby and back into the auditorium. Correct. And there were probably about 100 people. Mm -hmm. And she saw every one of them. I can't believe that. Yeah, her her commitment was to stay until everyone had their book signed and had their picture taken. Amazing. I'm, I'm guessing it was about 45 minutes to an hour after the program <laughs> ended. Hey, did you guys notice she didn't stand behind the table to sign? Mm-hmm. She stood in front of the table no, so that she wow. could yeah. greet people, hug people, and be be next to people. That immediately impressed me. Yeah. Uh, nearly every other book signer is going to stand behind the table and sign and shake hands, but not her. She's out hugging people and taking pictures. Yeah, I had to change the, the setup because I had assumed she would be sitting at a table. <laughs> no, and so, she stood the whole time. Yeah, she, she made that clear that she wanted to be able to, to interact with the people that were there. Yeah. Props to you, Barry, because you did tell her, you did you as gently as possible, you said, please, you know, if you can only really stay with her about 100 seconds, and then you got to go, because there's, there's, there's a lot of people here, so, so kudos to you. Hey, let's talk a little bit about what she had to say on Sunday. She spoke out of the gospel account of Jesus calling Peter out of the boat uh, and to walk on water. And a- actually, Rick, you, you mentioned that, hey, what you just saw was a really sneaky way of doing an expositional sermon. It was. It was a, a and people. If if a person will listen, it was a great expositional sermon on the story of Peter walking on the water. Yeah. And the the insights that she gave were so powerful because many of us have have studied that, have taught that, and right. and what always happens? Peter is the loser. That's right. You know, yeah. he's the loser. He's the guy who uh, he thought he had faith, but he really didn't. Mm-hmm. Started sinking in the water. Well, she put a new twist to that that I'd never thought of, and it was the at least he had faith to step out of the boat. That's right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it is so easy for us to criticize Peter, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So easy to criticize Peter from inside the boat. Yeah. Here we are inside the boat, going, "Yeah, look at that loser out there sinking in the water." Well, where are we? That's right. We didn't even have the faith to That's step right. out. Yeah. So that part of the message was a huge encouragement to me to never be afraid to fail. Yeah. And, you know, to quote John Maxwell's great book, Fail Forward. Yeah. 
and it, it, at least you're moving, at least you're taking steps of faith. And I think she really encouraged people to be willing to take a step of faith. Don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid of not having enough faith to step out of the boat. Right. right. Yeah. Very. how about you? Well, I, I would agree with that, and I've thought about how I could use what she said in our Class 301 as we challenge Ooh. you know, people to, to get involved in ministry. I don't know if we can c- capture a little snippet of that video, but you know, I, I've always used the illustration of get in the pool. I want I want you to get in the pool of ministry, so to speak. Yeah. And and then you know, if we have to move you around the pool <laughs> to get you in a different ministry position, let's do that. But don't get out of the pool. Yeah. So I, I use a different illustration in three hundred one, but I, I like hers much better, and it's a much more illustrative step of faith, getting out of the boat. And so right. I just love what she had to say, and I'm praying that 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 message will have sunk in and resonated with people who are willing to take a step of faith and get out of the boat now and get involved in ministry. Yeah, she had a phrase that, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm getting it right actually, but this is what I heard, right? When when she said, you know, hey, Peter, this water was made for you. Mm-hmm. This opportunity was made for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how um, you know, I'm sure Peter got up that morning. He had no idea that that day what was going to happen. I think just prior to it, they was that when they had just fed the 5,000 and Jesus sent them across, or was that a different? No, I think you're right. It okay. was one of the miraculous feedings. You're right. I mean, what a day that he just had. and But yet the day wasn't over for Peter yet. Uh, the, he, before that time, he was, he was just, okay, you're going to be called. Uh, you're no longer Simon. You're now Peter. Okay, great. Well, what is Peter going to do? And as she pointed out, Peter was the the one who got to say, "No, I'm I'm going to step out." And wow, what, what I love that I like that pool illustration though too, because you you aren't the same after that. Peter was not That's the correct. same person. Absolutely, um, yeah. I don't know if you can be. And you know, we we again we go back to looking at Peter's entire body of work. Yeah, and we're quick to say, you know, man, what are you thinking? You know, not only just <laughs> you know the, the, that incident, the denying Christ, the uh, cutting off the ear of centurion, the whole bit. We look, we're quick to judge him and say, man, what a what a fool. <laughs> but man, th- it, what a what a man of faith. Yeah, and so that that's what it did for me is just remind me that often, well, not often, always. Our relationship requires acts of faith. Yeah. We start depending on our own strength. That's when we start to take our eyes off of Christ and and sink. But we have to always, we always are required to take a step of faith first. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, were you going to say something? So, you know, the thing, the, the other thing I noticed was that, you know, Peter... I mean, he wasn't done making a little bit of stumbles and faux pas, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he still had a lot left right. in him <laughs> in terms of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop the fact that God had already done a powerful That's right. renaming in his life and, and a re-changing mm-hmm. and a rearranging. Um, you know, Wong talked a lot about uh, some really great topics, like the lure of culture, the wounds that we received, um, even, I don't know, I, I kind of sense as, uh, as someone that was maybe over-churched as a, as a young person uh, because that's what happens sometimes with, with kids that grow up in church. Um, I was also impressed by her command of the scripture. She knew her Bible. I mean, that was, that was amazing. Um, 
Anything else that, that you guys can remember about some of the topics she talked about? Well, yeah, I had one opportunity, just a one-on-one -on -one visit with her about, about church. And she mentioned, she said, you know, I, I grew up in church, but overall, when it came to the organized church, you know, I mean, she grew up in a church in a park. Right. And, you know, the, she had a real negative uh, feeling about organized church, you know, churches who met in really nice buildings and things like that. Mm. And I said, what, what changed you? And she said, you know, my negative feelings about the church changed when I started speaking at all those churches. And, mm. I, and, and I would, I'd get to know the pastors and their families. Very often I would actually stay with them in their homes. And she said, you know, over time I realized we're all the same. Mm. We're all the same. Yeah. We have the same vision. And we want to help people. We want to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was that getting up close and personal to pastors and their families, their wives, their children. And suddenly she said, I realized, hey, we're all in the same boat. We're all, uh, we're all going in the same direction. Maybe we're doing it in different ways. And that is when her negative feelings about the church yeah. began to change. Yeah, yeah. I was impressed by that. Um, some some slam poetry, and I don't listen to it a lot because, again, you know, Bach and Chopin things. Anyway, I was impressed with she. She didn't. She wasn't negative, right? She she wasn't trying to to be this prophet. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I'm just saying that that. I, I got the same feeling that she had sweetened her um, her view of the church, and that and as I was actually listening to a podcast that she was doing with another another lady, she had, she had found out that you know I needed to relearn. God sent me out there so that I could relearn and rethink what the church was. Barry, do you have anything to no, say? No, I was just going to say that you know I think now especially that. Her husband is a pastor of a church there in oh, San yeah. Diego, and so mm -hmm. she has suddenly found herself as a pastor's wife in a somewhat <laughs> traditional church setting, and so that will uh, soften her quickly or harden her quickly. Yeah. One of two, one of two experiences. But if she's found herself as a pastor's wife, I think that's probably another factor that has uh, changed her perspective on how the church is done. Wow. Wow, I, she didn't say that, but I can only—I I would think that would be a, a huge factor. She still has her ministry, obviously, but several, several times a year she teaches there at her church, her, mm -hmm. her husband's church. Wow. Well, and I appreciated so much her comments in that area because so many people who are in recovery ministry, people who come out of AA, uh, different twelve-step uh, programs, very often they have a very negative view of the church. They feel like the church has rejected them, judged them. Yeah. And I appreciate her helping to build a bridge between recovery ministries and the church, helping people understand, hey, the church can be your friend. Yeah. And yeah, maybe you've had a bad experience in the church. Well, there are some bad churches. Yeah. Uh, so uh, here's the answer. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Go find a good church yeah. that yeah. is gracious, loving, forgiving, and not judgmental. I appreciate it so much. I felt like here, here at Grace and here in our community, she helped a number of people uh, who were there on Saturday night and maybe even came on Sunday morning. To felt that bridge was built with some people, and they thought, "Oh, 
these these people aren't judging me mm-hmm. and condemning me because of my past. They really are welcoming me. I appreciated that very much. She's really unique in that way, um, in that she, I don't know, it's, it's like she has a way of speaking and resonating with people um, whose, whose lives have been torn apart by poor choices, bad choices, uh, and people who don't yet realize that their whole life they've been making poor choices, bad choices, and, and, uh, and yet they're not homeless or, or quote-unquote drug addicts, but... They've got they got their own issues that are just as strong and rooted. Um, but do, do you think that her message really is kind of primed for this time in our generation, or maybe her generation? Um, is it that that she has come of age, or that maybe her message has come of age? I don't know what I'm asking there. Well, you know, one thing that excites me about Hosanna is, is that ties in with our purpose-driven model of ministry. She very clearly has defined her purpose of ministry. Mm. She knows. In fact, she, she states it, and I'm just going to read it because I want to read it exactly as she states it. States it. But she says, uh, she's called to empower this generation to know who they are and boldly live out their purpose. Mm. Now, she's, I, I don't know exactly how old she is. I think she's in her 30s. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something we've been talking a lot here at Grace, how, you know, we're just one generation away from from losing mm-hmm. uh, this church. And so I, I believe probably her her primary ministry is to her age and, and that culture. But as we saw here Sunday, she related to, you know, some older senior adults. Yeah. <laughs> she was able to put them at ease. And, Rick, I think you, you mentioned this. She was masterful because her first words were, I want to tell you a story. Mm. And people were automatically drawn into her, I think. And so she was able to relate to a number of generations while she was here. But I think she feels her primary calling probably to her generation and below. Yeah, yeah. There was just no pretense about her. And I think she communicates just in her style and as she tells her own story that God can use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And she said, look at me. You know, I'm not gifted in this or this or this. I don't have this wonderful background, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, God can use me. He can use anyone. I think that's what connects her, not just with her generation, but as Barry just said, multi-generational. People are attracted to people who don't come across with pretense. And just this humility, genuineness, honesty, I'm an ordinary person. And yet God can use me as a vessel. He can use anyone. I think that that, that that might be one of the, and I think, honestly, earned reputations of the church is that we are trying to present an image uh, to people that we are better than that. I mean, I think, honestly, we're, we're trying to just say, I'm, I'm trying to get away from my sin. I'm trying to get away from my, my, my bad life. But what it does is, is that sometimes it comes off as, and, and I know that it's true because I do it, I put on a mask. Uh, this is my happy face. This is my put-together face. And in reality, that, that's, that's not the truth. And it comes through. It comes through. My mask will slip or the elastic breaks. And, uh, and it, it's, it, it can be tough. Um, you know, we're, we're, Rick, we're called... Living or Dash, we want to try to help people connect the dots of discipleship. And I, and I wonder if part of what she's saying is um, there's, there's the emotional disconnect that we have. Um, I've been reading a book 
uh, I finished a book by Pete Scazzaro called uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And, and in it, he, he mentions the fact that um, um, Jesus' blood may run in my veins now that I'm a Christian, okay, now that I'm born again, but Grandpa's bones are still in my body. In other words, that that my parents they they pass on not not good ways of parenting because they were passed on from their parents. Not great ways of parenting or or models of um, of their own spirituality, if that was even there. Um, so I don't know. Do you think Wong is is onto something about? how our uh, either our, our our past is we're not dealing with it well or emotionally we're not dealing with it well yeah i think you're right you know we're all a product of our upbringing we, we just have to understand that admit that realize that don't walk in denial about that yeah. we're all a product of our upbringing but our past does not have to define us yeah it does not have to control us and hosanna communicates that clearly in her life is Here's the background that I grew up in. She tells the story of her father, you know, being a heroin addict turned preacher. Great example of a person who says, yeah, here's my past, but my past is no longer going to control me or define me. And that's what really recovery ministry, it's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. You know, just a quick illustration. In 2015, you guys know I had major back surgery. And to uh, repair my back, to get into my back, they I've got about a I had about a six inch wound where they had to do an incision at the lower part of my back, about a six inch incision, and you know when they stitched that up, it was rather tender. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was sore, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, and it was an open wound, and you know they had to stitch it up. Uh, I had to every time I would sit down, lay down, I would feel it. Mm. But you know what? Uh, I don't have that wound anymore, but I have a scar. Mm. And there's a big difference between a wound and a scar. Hmm. And if people live with a wound, they're they're never going to live to their full potential. You have to let God heal the wound. Does the scar go away? Absolutely not. Mm. And, you know, I can reach back there and I can still feel the scar. It doesn't hurt. It reminds me of a time where it did hurt, mm-hmm. but it also is a positive celebration that it no longer hurts. We sing a song around here, Scars, yeah. and that's the message of that song is we, you can thank God for the scars mm. because they're no longer wounds. God heals that scar. And then because of that, we can go share with other people who maybe still have a wound and say, listen, there's hope for the wound. It can be healed uh, through the power of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Barry? No, I, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact of, of how her dad came to Christ. Mm. I know I want everybody to go to the, the website and watch her story, but I don't want us to lose that little that little truth of, of how her, her, her dad accepted Christ. It was Mrs. Lee who invited him into her house and shared her faith with him across the table and loved on him and led him to Christ. And, yeah. it, you, and, and Hosanna talks about that 30 years later, <laughs> you know, she didn't, she would have never dreamed that she would be in churches and in schools and at camps and in prisons doing what she did. And, and I want our people here at Grace 
to be challenged, to be willing to share that that simple message of Christ. Uh, it's something we you know we we tell our people all the time. Let us help you. Let us equip you to do that. But yeah. I just don't want to lose sight of that one truth that she shared because it changed not only her life, her dad's life, but countless, yeah, hundreds and, <laughs> and possibly thousands of other lives. That's right. Yeah. So she, Hosanna's doing what she's doing. Her sister, she mentioned, is a worship leader at her church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's amazing. So, all right. Well. Man, thanks so much for for talking about that today. And so, hey, Barry, I don't know if you know this, but right now it is time for Rick's Quote of the Week. All right, Rick, what do you got for us today? Well, uh, in the heading of uh, Chapter 4 of my book, Living Your Dash, there's a great quote. Nina O'Neill says this, and how appropriate, how appropriate this quote is for our conversation today. Out of every crisis comes a chance to be reborn. Wow. Every crisis, you give that to God, there can be a rebirth, a reboot in your life. Yeah. Out of every crisis comes a chance to be reborn. Fantastic. Wow, great quote. Yeah, very, very apropos. Okay, so Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, something that happens here at Grace every week, every Friday night, we have Celebrate Recovery. Yeah. Every Friday night in our children's building at 5 o'clock, there's a meal. Everyone's invited. And then following the meal at 6 o'clock is the large group. They have worship. And uh, you'll, you'll really begin to understand what, what Christian recovery is all about and, and how Christian, the Christian 12 steps can change a person's life forever to turn those wounds Uh, into scars. Also Sunday morning, uh, our series Getting a Grip continues this week. I like this topic, Getting a Grip on our Recreation. So we're going to talk Sunday morning about how important is it to take a day off. Wow. How about that for a practical application? We're going to see what the Word of God says about taking a day off. Okay. Rick, Barry, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.